RadioInfluence.com. The future is now. Hey, gang, welcome into the A Place for My Head podcast. He's Brandon Thompson. My name is Jerry P. Tuck. And uh, obviously, we've talked the last couple of weeks about the coronavirus thing, and we're not going to get into it this week. There's so much negativity and so much just misinformation about what's going on in the world. And we want to try to get back on track with, you know, really the purpose of the podcast. And, you know, that's really starting the conversation about mental health and stress and anxiety and overcoming just the crap that goes on in everybody's life. And, you know, we've got a special guest uh, this week. Uh, her name is Leia Summer. She is a song singer-songwriter, lovely, talented. Welcome to the show. We appreciate it. You can't see me, but I'm clapping for you. I'm so excited. How are you? Good. We, <laughs> we really appreciate you uh, coming on. And now, now I've got to ask, how, how did you and Brandon kind of get together and hook up here? Oh, gosh. It was, uh, you know, how everyone in, in modern day... <laughs> I hate this. Uh, you know, meets, right? You love this so much. We met on, uh, you know, Instagram, the only real way to meet another human, right? <laughs> so that is, yes, that is how we met. We met on Instagram and it, it sort of just went from there. It really, I think what, Brandon, like within two days, not even, we were setting this up. Oh, Did yeah. You- with, yeah, without a doubt. I think. And yeah, it's, it's hilarious because uh, everybody knows Jerry. You know, like my love hate for social media. Oh, but yeah, for, absolutely. I'm we're in the same boat. I feel you. For, but for purposes like this and connecting with people on levels like this, it is absolutely beautiful. But um, uh, yeah, no, she she reached out after we had connected at some point and just asked me one of the craziest questions uh, I've ever been asked ever. She said, "Who are you?" <laughs> I'm like, I, uh, wait a minute. Like, do you want, like, my bowling average, or do you want uh, where I'm from, what I do, like, my profession, like, my family, like, what's, what what do you want? I say that's a loaded, look, asking you, who are you, that's such a loaded question. And that's exactly what I said. (laughs) You want to know what's so funny? It was right in that moment where he was, like, wanting me to quantify what exactly I meant by that. I was like, we're going to get on. Like, we're going to be friends for life. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and because I don't really care to be honest what, um, and maybe it's just from years of like being in, you know, doing like step work and like therapy, but like what does someone does really does it matter to me as much as who they are, you know, and their self-identity and how they identify themselves that matters the most to me. So I think ask, Mm -hmm. I'm just so used to asking that question. I've just programmed my mind to do that. And I, I get blown away when people get surprised by it. I guess it's just not a common uh, inquiry. Well, I think I think it is a common one, but right out of the gate when you don't know someone and it's text messaging and stuff like on Messenger, yeah, whatever I, I the hell have, it was. Like, I have no fear. I'm like, yeah, oh, it's awesome. Me. I love it. That's how you can screen people. Like you can yeah. like, who are you? Like, oh, what the what the <laughs> fuck? What, what do you mean? Who am I? Does she know? Does she know? Like what I fuck that? I'm not replying. I'm not replying. Out. You know, it's so funny, though, because it saved me from a lot of hassle. I didn't even realize it was the way I worded things, but I'm very like A to B. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, either people really resonate or if they're trying to hide and they don't and it's OK. All right. So you don't know about my, um, you know, my closet, my skeleton. Oh, like it was just a genuine question. 
Yeah, the, the Thursday thing you do, I, I can't, I mean, I don't well, know, maybe Jerry can talk about that. Maybe. I mean, I mean, she may not know about your Thursday thing, but her and I have been talking about your Friday thing and your every other Saturday yeah, thing. So, oh, well, okay, cool. Oh, that's not what this podcast is about. People, so just that, that's off. a whole other episode. <laughs> oh, help me help you. Oh, my yes. God. <laughs> Guys, I um, I have to go and wash my hair now. Um, <laughs> well, Leigh, it's oh. been great having you on. Uh, no. so, it was real. <laughs> it was real and it was fun, but uh, fun. yeah. But we haven't talked about my Monday. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> oh, my. All right. So let, let's get into it. Leah, tell everybody, <laughs> tell everybody where I, I guess. Well, first, let's, get, let, let's talk about your music first. How did you get into the music thing? Because I have a feeling I've got a pretty good idea because Brandon and I both kind of come from a music background in a yeah. roundabout way. So let's let's get into that first. How did you get into your oh music? Gosh, well, I started, um, you know, this little Jewish girl that I was I was learning opera in a Gregorian church from um, a, an amazing woman, Maria Heslop from Barbados. She's an incredible opera singer, and so I studied classically for years um, in French and Italian, and then you know. I had my first boyfriend, David Shiroki, and he introduced me to Black Sabbath, and everything changed. Wait for a minute, me. wait a minute. You, you, whoa, whoa, whoa. You, you went from opera to Black yeah, Sabbath. I did. Dude, I this did. is why. This is why. So, okay. I, I, I would only sing musicals. Like, people in school, they knew me for my headgear and my opera. Like, that was the <laughs> whole thing. And, um, and then when I, when I met David, I mean, I, pivoted to rock and metal. I just loved it so much. So, um, from, but you know, from there it, 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 you know, there was so much going on at home in the home life. So we'll get to that later. But, um, basically I got into fashion and then from there I was able to pivot back into music. I landed a gig in Los Angeles and toured in a rock band. So we were with century media records and, um, we played everywhere there, Whiskey A Go Go, House of Blues, Viper Room, Rainbow Room, everywhere. It was amazing. And um, I got to work with some of my idols. But it was like such a rock and roll scene coming out of the classical movement. So in a very succinct way, that's how I sort of got my start in it. And we have to take we have to take a moment to thank eighth grade boyfriend David. Love David. Yep. Reaching out to him. High five through the air in the universe. Thank you for turning on the black Sabbath. Cosmic um, hugs and horns. He, I believe, is living very happily in Canada. So, yeah, it's amazing. But, um, yes, so I was out in uh, L.A. and then, like, got scouted doing acoustic gig in, what, Cat and the Fiddle, a venue out there. And then I landed a Sony Pictures. um, Have you seen the movie Easy A with Emerson? So my uh, a song I did is not only in the movie, but on the soundtrack. And that was really exciting. That's awesome, Brad. And then from there, got to work with KMFDM, one of my favorite industrial bands. Um, they're out of Germany. And then from there, uh, landed another trailer um, for IMDb's Camp to Camp. And then landed MTV, The Hills, Netflix, Selling Sunset, um, and yada, yada. <laughs> so. Wow, that's no, no big deal. No big deal, though. Yeah, well, I'll say I, you haven't you done know, much at all. I, I, I get a little, you know, like, oh, do I, do I say the credits? But you know, I, I hand to God, I worked my butt off. So sometimes it just feels good to, to say it. 
So yeah. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and yeah, it's just I, I'm amazed that you went from opera to rock. I mean, it, it's a stretch, but it's not a stretch all at the same time. What resonated? I'm not. What what resonated? Life, bro. Well, yeah, but I mean, you you go from singing arias and opera music to. Ozzy. <laughs> That's like, you know what's so, what's so funny is to me, the rock and roll brought out all the emotions I would, I couldn't express because in opera, you have to be very um, precise and formal. Right. And to me, that wasn't true, at least in where I was. Of course, there's an authenticity to opera. It's beautiful. It's classical. But I needed something more biting and really something to bring out the fury in me just as an expression of everything that I was hiding kind of in my shame growing up the way I did. So I needed something visceral, to be honest, to, to uh, sort of as a release system. Yeah. So it saved my life. I, I really like when people say rock and roll saved their lives and my buddy Mario out in um, LA, he's got a tattoo on his chest, a hundred percent rock and roll. And I'm telling you, nobody lives that the way he does. And it, there's a truth to it for sure. Well, I was going to ask you, that was going to be my next question was what would the rock music resonated with you? But you just answered that. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I totally get it. And, you know, I, I would imagine it was like just to, to dumb it down. It was kind of like an escape for you. You know, what's so funny? It, 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 opera was more of an escape. Really? Um, the, the metal and the rock was more of facing things dead on without sugarcoating anything. <laughs> You know, without hiding, really, really coming to terms with things. So for me, that's where my reality was. Interesting. Yeah. I can totally relate. I can totally relate because that's how I write. I write. I write with extreme emotion, and nine times out of ten, it's really dark, um, or or furious, one or the other. But never, never uh, happy, happy, joy, joy, if you will. But it is. Uh, it's a release for me. It's very therapeutic. Um, so yeah. I get it. I get it. It's, almost, well, it's a rare opportunity to be yourself and express what's really going on. I think we have to choose it. You know, I think ultimately we just have to choose it. We have to man up and and you know pick ourselves up and say, okay, I'm choosing this truth. I'm choosing my truth. I'm not going to run from it. Um, and I actually love the juxtaposition of music when you have like a minor scale and you're singing something super happy, or if you have a major scale and you're singing about something pretty sad, so I like sort of, um, like the dichotomy that goes on with that. I think that's reflective of the human spirit. So yeah. 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 Awesome. Um, so that's all the cool stuff. Um, <laughs> but let's, let's, let's all switch gears maybe and talk about the challenges of life. How about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know where you'd like to start, but, uh, you know, Jerry's got him. I've got him. Everybody's got him. You've got him. Um, this is a platform for, for people to listen in and be informed that they're not alone uh, with any kind of horrific situation or yeah. mental health issue that they're, they're dealing with and they don't know what to do with, knowing that they can't fix themselves, um, even though they try. But, uh, you know, it, it helps people get through their mess when they can relate. So, uh, you know, thank you so much for being on here. And we'd love to hear what you have to say. Absolutely. Um, to be honest, I, I really don't know where to start other than, you know, I was just really quick background about me. You know, I was born in Connecticut and I was born, you know, I was I was born to two doctors 
you know, bad stuff sh- never happens if, if you come from education, right? This, mm-hmm. is, this is, this is the fallacy. This is the story that we're told and it's, it's, um, it's marred and full of error. So I, I grew up with, you know, a P one was a PhD in econometrics, international financing. The other was an MD. The MD got their medical license revoked later on. And I think just personally that that's the karmic wheel, but both, um, you know, both of these doctors, you know, were not, were not stable for, you know, you know, that's just the way it was. And there was a lot of abuse and my, the one abused in such a way where I was literally the, you know, we were running. So we ran to Florida to get away from some pretty intense darkness. Mm. Um, so we ran to Florida and, you know, thinking, okay, now we're away from the darkness, but actually we just got into a deeper hole and the darkness kind of, you can't ever escape yourself basically, you know? So you can run, 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 but there you are. So I, I grew up in a lot of, I mean, a lot of physical, a lot of physical abuse. And I was just thinking on my walk this morning, like I, I had a, a palm slam my, the side of my face at two in the morning when I was nine years old and I'd go to school. I couldn't hear for 72 hours. Mm. Like I was, I was just hearing ringing. And then I'd go to school with, you know, bruises on my arms and, and I would be, I would have to wear a sweatshirt, um, in a hundred degree summer, uh, in Florida because I didn't want anyone to see what was going on. And that's sort of how I lived for a long time. And I was the poor kid at a very, like at a very prestigious school, you know, a private school. Cause just because I was intelligent and I somehow convinced them I had a certain IQ and was awarded, you know, full scholarship, full academic scholarship. But I always was where I didn't belong. I felt, do you know what I mean? I've, I've actually, I've actually shared a story similar to that because, uh, I was accepted to, uh, uh, for like, uh, I will call it the, the, the prestigious all boys Catholic high school in Tampa. And right? yeah. And literally my first day of school and I'm as, you know, my family was as middle class as they come. And you know, my first day freshman year of high school, this little prick looks at me and goes, well, my father's a doctor who makes 3 million a year. What's your father do? Right. And my father was literally delivering food to the cafeteria because he was a truck driver. Like it couldn't have been timed. It was like the worst scene from a movie ever. And I just turned right. around. I just turned around and walked away. So I, I totally relate to what you, where you're coming from. Yeah, and, and the um the insanity is you, you're saying that your dad was a truck driver. You know, my parents were doctors. That nothing could possibly go wrong in that. You know, it was very right. much well. No, we're educated, so we're therefore nuclear mentally. But that wasn't the case, unfortunately. Right. Um, and. I, I got really bullied in school. I have to say, uh, I, I don't know if it was the headgear. I thought I pulled it off. Um, <laughs> I don't know if it was like the orthopedic shoes I had to wear because I had scoliosis and I walk, I had a hunchback. So I had a big hump on my back, like physically you could see it. And so I walked sort of deformed for a long time, um, until I had, you know, spinal fusion surgery and I got a, I got out of surgery about two and a half inches taller. Oh, wow. And it's crazy. The only thing that I could think about from that surgery was, okay, okay. All right. I'm getting the surgery. So now, now the abuse will stop. 
like now I, it's great because there's no way I'm going to get the crap kicked out of me if I have like this surgery and I'm recovering. And that wasn't the case. Um, it just wound up escalating even in my recovery. Mm. So it was a lot of like a lot of helplessness, a lot of learned helplessness that translated really, really sideways into adulthood and stuff that I'm still working on. And, and, you know, I think if we're coming from, you know, a darker zone, it's later in life, we start to get really angry and furious and we start to think that the world owes us everything. And I say, we, I can only speak in the eye. That was just my personal experience. I felt very entitled, you know, the world owes me everything. And I've, I've learned that is not the case. Um, but it took me a long time to sort of get out of that mindset. I don't know if you guys can relate to that. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I totally get it. And and you keep repeating, well, you know, my parents were doctors and that's not supposed to be. It's like, it's just, isn't it a hoot? Well, yeah, but, but you keep saying, you know, it, it's not supposed to be like that because, and it's like, well, you look at it and it's like, okay, you know, looking at it, taking a step back and looking at it, you know, you've got to have a massive, and, and I don't take this, you know, take this as, you know, as just as I say it, no, you know, sure. to, to be a doctor, you, you've got to have an ego. You've got to have, you know, yeah, there, there is, there is an elitism to that. Too. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, and, and to have that kind of massive ego where you literally have, and I don't know what kind of doctors your parents were, but you know, to have someone's lives, you know, life in your hands, you know, that's, that's a huge yeah. responsibility. So I, I can, I can totally understand how, you know, at work is one thing, but at home is something totally different. Smoke and mirrors. It's smoke it's, mirror. It was. Um, oh, absolutely. It, it's it's yeah. It's, it I, was, I had the same yeah. thing. <laughs> it was it was Jekyll and Hyde, and seeing people um, transform really in front of you without them being cognizant of the fact that they are transforming. Right. I I it would literally zero to a hundred, man, and it would be you know totally amicable, loving parent figure into insane beast monster cannot recognize you. And the craziest part is with drinking, that person doesn't remember the things that they've done. Right. So then there's no accountability and then the rage builds, you know? Right. So yeah. yeah. That I, I, yeah, I just want to share uh, like, Oh man, that dials in real close to me yeah. because it's like a Jack on high moment, especially when you deal with drinkers. And when, you know, they're, let's say they're bipolar, <laughs> like there's no, there's no happy middle. Like you're either like in a, in a great situation with someone and they're loving, they're caring, they're this, or, but then in snap of the fingers, it's completely flipped and it's rage. It's, it's yelling. It's, it's, it, you know, just babble at that point. You know, they, uh, I've been through so many situations like that. And then the next day it's just like, I didn't do that. And they believe their own lies. They believe yes. in their own stories mm -hmm. and it becomes so narcissistic. And it's, and and it's always everybody disgusting. else's fault. It's, it's never their oh, fault. Yeah. Never their fault. Yeah. Like, no way. Why would I ever do that? That's because you or him or this person or that person. And it's, it's just disgusting. And yeah. the hours, the hours I've put in with, you know, uh, you know, my mother, uh, particularly like she would just, she like calls and she would call. Uh, we don't have a relationship now, but she would sure. call and just like hammer me and kill me and just like drive me down. And she 
blame me for my dad's infidelities and this, that, mm-hmm. and the other, and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. I'm like, man, this is, this is, this is not happening anymore. You're out of here. Like, well, bye, lady. And then it was you, text yeah. messaging. And I, you said a key it's, word, it's blame. It, it's, it's a cycle of blame. And when you point, when you point one finger out, you know, three point back at you. So if I want to go and if I want to blame, you know, this one, that one, the other one, I still have three fingers pointing at me. Now, I think as a child, if you're going through abuse, yeah, that's not your fault, man. You know, that those are the cards you were dealt. What, what is your responsibility is how are you going to respond to it moving forward? You know, always what's in our hula hoop is our response system. Um, yeah, that's always in our wheelhouse of, of control. You know, what's on my side of the street. I'm responsible for how I respond and I haven't always responded in the best way, you know? So I acted out a lot. I acted out a lot in my teens. That's where I, you know, I was just, gosh, I had so much anger. So I think that's where the, uh, you know, that, that metal came in to to, to sort of soothe. Yeah. Well, and and the other thing, you know, the other thing is, you know, as, as you said, as a kid, you know, you're you're a clean slate. You're programmed by your your the culture around you. So if, if you're constantly getting just battered and battered, whether it's physically, emotionally, mentally, verbally, anything, you know, it's going to get embedded into your brain. And you know, I know just speaking from experience, my own experience. You know, I, I grew up in a real abusive household. You know, my father, yeah. my father was smart enough never to lay a hand on me because mm. even as a little kid, all of my friends were 10 and 15 years older than me. All of my friends at school were my teachers. It, they weren't the students. Same. You know, yeah, same, right, right. Same. So he knew if he ever laid a hand on me, he was done. So I would oh, literally watch him beat the hell out of my mom and my grandmother. Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. just, he just wore me out, man, verbally and, and emotionally. And, you know, I'm 41 years old. And, and I've said this a yeah. million times on this podcast. There isn't a day that goes by now that I don't hear him in the back of my head. Yeah. And, that, mm, and, and you know, it, it, you get programmed that way. And, and eventually people look at you and go, well, look, we understand what you went through, but when does it stop? And it's like, it, it's always I, there. Yeah. I don't think it stops. Um, I, I was talking with one of my mentors the other day and she knows a woman, 75 years old. This woman was, a, you know, sexually abused by her father. And mm. still at 75, she still has flashbacks and goes through it. Um, she just learns to manage the pain better. Right. I think I think all it is is it's pain management. We just learn to manage it better as we go. Yeah, wow. no, that's a that's a great way of putting it. I mean, because if we were ever to get over it, we wouldn't be talking about it, you know. Right. And you know, yeah. coming from my parents and stuff like that, and 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 we've talked to this uh, at, at great lengths. But you know, when I was feeling sad or down or whatever when I was a kid, my dad told me to you know suck it up and stop being a pussy. If I wanted mm-hmm. to, you know, start taking medication or think about talking to someone about what the hell is going on in my head because anxiety was not easily understood that young. Um, yet if I try to confront him, he, you know, he would call me a pussy for trying to seek out help for my mental problems uh, or just, you know, my anxiety and stuff that was going on at the time that I was confused about. But yet I've tried to confront him several times as a, as a grown ass man. And that little piece of shit runs far mm. as hell. And I'm nothing to be scared about. I'm really nothing. I'm nothing. And well, that, so you're like four foot tall and weigh twelve pounds. You're, you're physically you're as opposing as a piss hand. I mean, you're, you know, you're, you're I, a tiny I, little I, man. Yeah, I, I, I come at him with all the fury I have. Oh my god! 
Well, so that's when I started getting into mixed martial arts. Pound. <laughs> well, that's good for you. I'm like, look at these tattoos. Don't they scare you? Look at them. You know what's so funny? I think the greatest investment I've ever I've ever made outside of all my music rig would have to be my my uh, my my boxing bag. And it's sure. a full stand-up bag, man. And I just beat the crap out of that. It is so therapeutic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I don't know about you, but I know, you know, just the way I grew up, and it sounds like it was pretty similar. You know, I've always yeah. had, I, I tend to call it my Superman complex, where, you okay. know, if somebody's in trouble, I, I, I feel like I've got to fix things. I, I'm the fixer. Okay. I've got to, you know, I, I, that's just the way I am. And you know, I'm big brother to the world. Shit hits the fan. I'm the first person that everybody calls. And, you know, I, it gets to the point with me where it's, it, it's, it's exhausting. But I it's, don't know how to yeah. be any other way because it's always been my job to fix everything because that's the role I've always played. And, and I don't know if you can relate to that or not. But I know when it comes to, like, relationships and stuff like that, you know, I've, I've had that problem where I've always ended up dating you know, the wrong people that I thought I could fix. And luckily now I'm, I'm married and my wife puts up with me and it's great, but, oh, I love it. but you know, <laughs> before, before my wife came along, that's, that's how it always was with me. So, you know, I don't know if that's something you can relate to or not. Uh, yeah. All of that resonates on, uh, you know, golly, <laughs> if you, if you put me in a room and it's full of smiling people, I will find that one person in a corner shaking and crying and I will rush to them because I still think that I'm micro Jesus over here. I am going to be this person's Messiah. I'm going to be this person's savior. I'm going to fix this person. I have the tools to change their life. I mean, this is all illusion and this is all very faulty reasoning, but yes, I want to fix the world. And I still battle that. Um, choosing partners who are doing drugs. And I think that, you know, I'm the reason for their sobriety, which never works. You know, the only way a person can get sober is if they really want it bottom line. And it has to be for themselves. Uh, but I'm at a point where I'm starting less and less to try to fix people. But all that is, I mean, that's why we do it. I think why I do it is I still want to remedy the fractured relationships that I had in my childhood. I still want to remedy, you know, that little girl getting, you know, that little girl in the corner, me getting the crap kicked out, you know, like I still want to fix that somehow in my adulthood. So, and you, and you, and you come from your own uh, difficulties as well. Right. You know, and like, I think in that previous conversation you and I had, it was um, because it totally rang a bell when, when Jerry was saying that, but um, you've constantly your entire life have have been somewhat of a caretaker to, to, to family members. Uh, and then uh, you went through your own difficulties and realized yeah. you need to focus more on yourself than trying well, to fix others. I think like I was, I remember I was like me taking on a caretaking role started at the age of six um, and seven. So I was staying up until 12, one o'clock in the morning to make sure that, you know, this particular parent was, you know, the contacts were out, you know, carrying the body to bed, you know, as a kid. And that that's, was my reality. And so growing up sort of being the parent to a parent, being parentified, um, all the roles, there were no clear definitions of roles. 
uh, th there was no clarity of this is your role. This is my role. This is how you're going to behave. This is how I'm going to behave. Because it, it, one day to the next, it was an eight ball. Nobody knew what was what. Every day was a, a different story. Um, and so what is it? Red alert. When our amygdala is like on red alert, hyper, hyper vigilance all the time. And that's how it was. I think that's why my immune system crashed the way it did, to be honest, with the chronic fatigue. You know, it's my body just had enough. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I was yeah. saying your, your, your adrenal system just probably shut down because it was a constantly it, in fight or yeah. flight. Yeah. And there was no reprieve. Right. So even if there was a day of, uh, of harmony, it, it was mitigated with like six days of torture, you know? So there was no like <sighs> real exhale. Well, that I, yeah, no, absolutely. And, and in that day or two of peacefulness, you can feel it coming. You, you, you can feel that tension oh, coming and, yeah. you, and it's like, it's yeah. just, a, you know, it's just a matter of time. But you know, what's so funny. It's like the sun is so beautiful and you think, wow, but then, you know, you can feel it's, it's raining. Like you see the clouds coming in so fast. Mm -hmm. It's hard to enjoy. It's hard to enjoy the Vista when you know that the mire and the storms are coming. If that makes sense. That's a great analogy. That's a great analogy. Wow. So, I mean, that's just, you know, it was tough to enjoy anything, to be honest. And it's so funny because every podcast and everything that I watch now is all about enjoying everyday life, uh, celebrate, you know, the gifts of joy. Cause I don't know what that is. Still. Yeah, me neither. You know, so I'm still like studying it and, and, and really doing my best to retrain, reprogram the system, you know? Well, I, I can tell you yeah. just speaking from my experience, trying to re retrain the system and reprogram the system, it never fully gets fully reprogrammed. True. It's, it's always going to be there because, you know, I'm a firm believer in your past makes you who you are. And, you know, you typically you can, and I'm sure you'll agree with this, you know, you reach a point in your life where it's like, okay, you hit, hit that crossroads. You can either go to yeah. the left and, you know, follow the same path of destruction that, you know, the people around you have gone through. Or go to the right and make your own path right. and try to overcome it. And that's one of the hardest decisions that you're ever going to make in your life. You know, I, th I think it's a lot of, um, as strange as it sounds, I, I think we, we're responsible for overcoming our own biology. If, Very if much that makes so. sense. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're not going to be, I, I refuse to be a prisoner of it. You know, um, I just refuse. You know, I refuse to sit down and say, well, you know, this and this and this, therefore I am, you know, I'm, every day I'm going to work on managing it. And right now, um, I'm, I'm struggling. I'm, I'm just right now I'm struggling with forgiveness and it's still with one of my parents. And it's like, really, after all this time, we just talked about how it never goes away again. It's with the management and just letting it go, but it's easier said than done for sure. So easier said than done. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we could like, you know, snap the finger and okay, great. New scene, you know? Yeah, no, not, not, not that easy. Not that easy. It shit sticks with you. Like, like none other. Right. I hate it. Can't, you can't escape it. I mean, I like, just like last night, it's, it's, I, I went on a tirade last night because I, I, I've been trying to go to the grocery store during this, like, uh, uh, pandemic, if you will, uh, wearing masks and all kinds of stuff. And I just happened to look over. And, um, you know, kind of unrelated, but I just walked past the magazine, so I might as well talk about it. Um, and I saw Time Magazine had put a three-month month special edition out with emojis on the cover of it. Um, and the emojis were representative of 
anxiety. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking uh, a ginormous, gigantic publication like Time Magazine that's had pretty much every president we've ever had on the cover and Marilyn Monroe and all, all of that mess yeah. um, decided at a time like this to put anxiety at the forefront. So it took this to put anxiety at the forefront. So it pissed me off. So I'm gonna, I, I rant, but it's like, <laughs> but it's like, it, it's like, it's like what Jerry said, you know, it's left or right. But with people with anxiety, it's not left or right. It's forward, backward, left, right, Southeast, Northeast. Like it's, there is no real true. You're just, you can't make that decision when with anxiety, it's that crippling. And that's how it used to yeah. be with me. I mean, you know, my wife would, <laughs> she'll be like shopping with me. But guess what? I hate shopping too. Like if you want me to go buy clothes, you just prepare yourself because I'm so damn indecisive because I just don't, oh I just gosh. don't know. I'm already, I'm already uncomfortable because I hate trying on clothes mm-hmm. in, in places and all that kind of stuff. But it's like, I, I just can't make a decision when it comes to that. So for some people, yeah, the left and right is very easy for them. They can, or not easy. I should say it's hard still, but at least they have one or two choices. Right. People that are crippled by anxiety don't really have two choices. They have many. Um, and they have every choice that they think they might have working against them. So it's that okay. much more difficult. And so I, I'm not even going to get into like everything under the sun that I've been diagnosed with, you know, in terms of the psychiatric world, which was just crazy. Um, you know, I, I don't, I'm not like a proponent for medication, but I'm not totally against it. It's, it's definitely subjective. And if it helps you, God bless. I think that's amazing for me. I needed to run very far away from that world. But, um, in terms of being indecisive, I mean, to the point of of paralysis, Mm -hmm. um, to the point where I, I couldn't even leave my house because I couldn't even decide like what shirt to wear. And it seems so, um, silly, uh, maybe to the outsider, but that's how fractured and how sort of disabled my, my thought system was. Yep. I get it. I can totally relate. Yeah. When you're so, um, I guess, I don't know, tortured by memories, if that, if that's like, not to sound so hyperbolic, but certainly that is a form of torture. Um, little mundane things like which toothpaste to get can literally put you in, put me in a state of sweat for like 30 minutes. Uh, I mean, that's, it's, it's a form of PTSD. Oh my God, man. It's so true. So when I go to, when I go to restaurants, I still have to have my back to a wall and I need to be able to face all exits. Like I, I'm I'm the same exact way. It's so funny you say that. Okay. Because my friends will call me the Godfather. My wife, my wife will purposely sit on that side of the table just to watch me squirm. Oh my god! Yeah, no, I'm totally the same way. Okay, okay, no, hold on. Okay, so I'm sorry. All right, I shared before how much uh, before I I I conquered the majority of my anxiety problems. Uh, I used to be scared to death of mirrors. So, but even but even to this day, I mean, when I say scared to death of mirrors, I mean scared to death of mirrors. Like I (laughs) could not be around them. You couldn't look at them, or right? I couldn't look into because then. I look into I look into him and then I saw who I was. Like I could see inside my soul, like cats do. Like, oh, and I, I told I just couldn't do it. But I can do it now. I'm good. But even to this day, like, hey, we all Uber, right? Jared, you Uber? Oh uh, yeah, I have a time or two. Uh, okay, cool. So I will not like 
I will open the door for my wife, let her crawl in and then and go whatever. But I have to sit in the back right hand side of an Uber and I, I will not sit anywhere else because of that rear mm. view mirror. I can see myself in the rear view mirror if I'm on the other side. How fucking stupid is that? <laughs> well, I think you maybe to be a little kinder to yourself, give yourself some compassion. You know, like <laughs> there's there's a reason why, right? It's not out of like, oh, I'm just a freak and I don't like mirrors. No, I mean, there, there's, you know, there's something to substantiate this uh, anxiety in you. So mm-hmm. be, be kind to yourself. Yeah, you know? man, be, be nice to yourself. You're not fucking stupid. You're just kind of stupid. Right? Just, just a little of. bit. Like I mean, on the cusp. <laughs> like on the you're like on the edge. You're like edgy. I love, I, I love this show. This has been a great, this has been very therapeutic so far. I'm loving it. <laughs> We're all family here. I get it. We're good. Oh, yeah. Love it. I love it. <laughs> so uh, you were talking when you were a kid about, you know, being the, basically the, the parent to your parents and, and the caretaker. Yeah. Um, and and how how did you deal with the stress level of, of trying to be something, I mean, don't, don't say this is probably the wrong way to put it, but you're trying to be something that you weren't because. Oh, but it's not that I wasn't supposed to be. Well, sure. Right. You were put yeah. in that position and, and I, I can totally relate to that because I was put in the same, the same boat. So, and you know, at the time looking back, it's like, you know, I didn't know any better. So I just put my shoulder down and, and ran through it. And looking back, it's like, wow. Okay. Why, how the hell did I end up in that situation? And that explains why I'm so jacked up now. So how did, I mean, what was your mindset when all of that was going on? You know, I was too busy trying to survive in right. those moments to be so self-actualized and, and, and self-realized like, oh, I, you know, I need to decompress or how am I handling myself? It, it, it was a survival. Every, every second was survival. Every second was like a game of Tetris. Only if you did a wrong move, you were getting the crap kicked out of you. You were on the ground. So it was, it was literally do or die. So in terms of, you know, how I handled it, not well. And I would make noises. You know, I had this, um, a a really good friend in grade school, you know, say, Leia, you're doing that. Stop. Just stop it. People are thinking you're a freak. I I was just making these ticks. I had ticks left and right. Mm. And so I would just lock myself up in my closet though, and sing. I mean, for sure, that was a huge relief and right. Yeah. Yeah, I know when when I was going through it, and you know, I I lost four people to cancer one each year of high school. Uh, my wow. mom and I took care of each of them at home until they passed at at home. Uh, you know, and and like I mentioned, my father was a truck driver, so he was always on the road. And you know, when he was around, he was smacking people around and being an asshole. You know, so I kind of when you said you you kind of became the parent of the house at nine, I, for me it was eleven. Um, yeah. You know, so I was blessed enough, and you know, going back to the music thing, you know, I, I started singing when I was about eight. You know, I I sang up until about ten years ago. Um, mm. I I went through the whole Star Search thing when I was a kid. Um, I love it. Yeah, you know, so <laughs> that that was my escape, and that's why when I asked you, was that your escape? That's I was. That's kind of where I was going with that. But, you yeah. know, when I was in high school, my, my best friends to this day, the guys that were the, the, my groomsmen in my wedding, um, you know, had it not been for them, I probably wouldn't have survived because they, I mean, they were constantly around. And my, my house was always the house that everybody hung out at. And then the shit would hit the fan when everybody left. 
So nobody had mm-hmm. any idea what was going on. But, you know, my boys would look at me and go, dude, you need to get out of here for a little bit. And I'm like, no, yeah. I, got, I got stuff I got to do. They're like, no, you need, we, we're taking you out. We, you need to get out of here for a bit. And they, they were absolutely 10,000% my saving grace. So, you know, I'm hoping you had people like that in your world as well. Like I had, I had some, like maybe one or two friends, uh, friends for me, very difficult. Um, I had other things like I couldn't sleep over people's houses because of stuff that happened early on, you know, in Connecticut. So there were a lot of, you know, uh, a lot going against me having much of a social life. When I did those sleep over someone's house, it was rough. Like I, I would be shaking at night. The parent would have to come in and console me. So it was sort of a process. Um, but the saving grace. Yeah. Again, I suppose that escapism would, yeah, the music, the art for me, it was more dance, just being classically trained in ballet. Cause that was very physical. Right. And I, I could just be on that dance floor for two, three hours in training and just forget about the world. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally get it. Um, you know, and, and it's tough. Like you said, when you're going through it, especially at that age, you don't comprehend what's going Mm-mm. on. Because for you, There's that's just... no way. No, for you, it's just normal. I mean, that's just well, life. To be honest with you, I thought I was inept. I thought I was the sick one. I'm like, what is? what gives? Why does everyone around me at school, they seem so happy and content? <laughs> I thought mm-hmm. if everybody has the same up like environment, I mean, we all have the same environment. Why am I the one, you know, behaving this way? It's got to be me. It has to be something. There has to be something defective in me. So that was the story I sort of told myself, right? Right. Um, yep. Pretty early on, and that was that was encouraged by the people in my household because they, you know, were as sick as our secrets, but they they wanted to make sure that the secret was kept. You know. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, when when you're constantly putting on an act in front of people, you know, eventually that line between reality and acts blurs. Oh, listen, I mean, I talk about, you know, the, the my parents being Jekyll and Hyde, but I wore masks for all occasions. You know, like whatever social construct I was in, in any given moment, I would ingratiate myself into it. And absolutely people please like, oh, you wouldn't even believe mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yes 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 yeah like took me a long time to realize no is a complete sentence but um i, I still i thought, still have problems with that yeah, so yeah. I, I understand we it's everyday practice but i um my my high school my, the best friend that i had in high school i lost her as a friend when it came out when i was able to tell her hey you know when i was sleeping at your house and i was shaking it's because i was really in an abusive situation she never talked to me again Wow. It went in her mind, how she actually called me stupid. And she's like, how stupid can you be to not tell anybody what was going on? You know, your whole life could have been different had you just opened your mouth. But I tell you what, man, I didn't know that was an option. I can't say I, I don't know how to say it any other way. I didn't know speaking out was an option. No, you don't in those situations like you just don't. And that's what no. that's 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 the unfortunate and fortunate thing about people like us that have been through all a whole slew of mess, if you will. Um, you know, and, and we can't officially talk about that kind of stuff. We got our, we got our, I'm a, I'm fucked up card in our, in our, you know, back pockets now because we went through mess and we're allowed to talk about it. So people that were like, why wouldn't you just do that? It's just ignorance at its finest. You know what I mean? Well, it's ignorance, but at the same time, it's also embarrassing for the person going through it. 
No shit. I mean, there, there's shame yeah. there that, you know, it, it, it's like, you know, what did I do wrong to cause this when you did nothing at all and it wasn't your responsibility? Because people aren't educated in that area and they have something to say. They have an opinion. And this goes back to one of the, yeah. the most touchy subjects for me that I always bring up. But any chance I have to bring it up, I mm. always do because no one else does. Um, or at least they, some people do, but just not not enough. Not enough, mm. and that's mm. and that's suicide. So that is one of the most ridiculed, yeah. opinionated subjects in the world. And quite frankly, that's bullshit to me. I watched a documentary um, the other night, and then had to watch it again because the wife wanted to watch it. She was intrigued as well, and it was about this guy named David Hines, I think, or something. And he was a survivor from uh, jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge. Wow. <clears throat> and uh, Jerry and I. Uh, we watched a documentary and did a podcast on um, crisis cops. That, that's right, correct? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so mm-hmm. these cops um, dedicate themselves to inserting themselves into situations where they can kind of evaluate if the, if there's a mental health condition yeah. before pe- police just blow them to pieces, basically. Um, you know, and that's and don't take that for what I'm saying. They, the police do a great job; like it's all good, but. Um, yeah, yeah they, they defuse the situation before it gets out of hand. Sure. Right, exactly. Yeah. And um, But I was watching this documentary the other night, and, you know, he survived. He he survived by jumping off the, the bridge and then immediately regretting it, which is really intriguing to me because wow. the cops, the cops in, in, that, in that other documentary, every survivor from suicide they encounter that survives, every one of them says, when they when they do the act, they mm. automatically regret it right out of the gate, and that's what yeah. this guy said. So he did everything he could yeah. to jump to to turn his body so he hit um, feet first mm. and survived. I mean, he was damaged, but he survived. And now he goes all over the country and speaks to people and is highly successful and you know has a family and all this other kind of stuff. But what, like, what a tragic story. To, to live off of honestly but in the in the amount of people that, that go on that bridge and do do that tragic thing it's i never knew i never knew i had no idea that that bridge was higher than the one in tampa oh is it higher like, than the skyway by 40 feet oh, wow. wow yeah wow. so you, we're 180 feet and the san francisco one probably because it's two damn mountains is 220 wow yeah it is it is so wild that you bring this story up because I remember walking the Golden Gate Bridge. My buddy and I took a road trip from L.A. to San Francisco and we're like, yeah, let's walk the bridge. Now, I had no pre-existing knowledge of the fact that people would travel from all over the world literally to commit suicide off this bridge. And there's a documentary about this very ritual. Yeah, it's called the bridge or bridge, something like that. And Mm -hmm. I just remember feeling ghosts i just remember feeling such sorrow mm-hmm. the bridge and it was a beautiful day you know my friend was looking at me like what's your problem what's going on are you okay i i i just felt such heaviness and you know i think it's because i was feeling that because you know i i went through my battle with that and i i did attempt um i did attempt suicide i with the exact intention like you mentioned of this is it And then right when I was doing it, I was like, no, how do I U-turn? And you can't U-turn after taking an entire bottle of pills. There's no U-turn. So, you know, you have to go through it. And so (laughs) 
but you know, thank God, thank God it, I came out alive. How, but, how old were yeah. you when you went through it? So I was, I was 16 and, wow. um, yeah, yeah. That was when the chronic fatigue set in and I don't know, you know, a lot of people there, there have been a lot of naysayers about chronic fatigue. Oh, you know, it doesn't exist. It's not real. I mean, I can only speak from the eye again. You know, I, for me, it was real, man. Like that was, that was, and it it affected my mood. It affected my mind. Um, but again, I think it was just from what I had experienced, you know, leading up to the diagnosis. Um, but so yeah, at 16, I did that and I was in and out of, you know, treatment to get the mind better. <laughs> and then well, I'm like, thank God you're still here. Yeah, yeah exactly. But then it's like you go from one to the other, right? So I went from, you know, the suicide to, I know, I'll get an eating disorder and become a fashion model. So it's like, you just kind of, this is, this seems like a healthy pivot. And so, like, you know, it just kind of went from the frying pan into the fire. But I, I think sometimes you just have to go through it to get through it. It's the only way out is through. It really is. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I just, I, I, you know, it's such a, it's such a sensitive subject, but oh, when brought sure. up and talked about in um in an intelligent way and a matter of fact way, um, you know, it's healthy. And because so many people have opinions about it, it's like, how could someone be so selfish? It's like, hey, you need to understand something. It's they're not being selfish; they're being selfless sometimes, if not most of the time, because they feel I- like they're a burden to people around them. If, and if, if you I could be, ever imagine to get to that point, what that feels like, mm-hmm. then you can tell me your story or your opinion. Well, you you were saying selfless versus selfish. Um, I'm actually writing something. I don't think it's either. I think in those in that moment, you're you're without a self, man. You are without a self. You are without God. You are without. Period. Yeah, I agree. I so agree. it's not even a deficit of self, or it's not like oh, I'm being selfish. Or I just think you're without. You're missing. You know, there's a whole. And, and there's nothing that can fill it or so you think, and it's just this desperate withoutness, I, you know, yeah. I, I know that's not a word, or pain, but <laughs> or pain. I mean, so much it, pain. Like, it's, it's hollowness. Hollow. Yeah. Yes. It's all, it, it's all, it's all that in the above, because when I got to the breaking point of my anxiety, I was, I told myself verbatim over and over. I can't imagine I, life. I can't, life shouldn't be like this for the rest mm-hmm. of my life. Like, this doesn't make sense to me. I can't live like this for the rest of my life. And those words that were reiterating my brain constantly scared the shit out of me. And yeah. it made me go, you know, talk to someone, obviously. So, but yeah, I had to bring I think it talk, up. talking about it is, is, is so important. And what's wild to me, at least from what I've seen in my recovery is, you know, just maybe two minutes ago, we were all laughing about this you know, and not, not making fun of it, totally respecting it, but just in a, in a healing way. And I, mm. I just so like, I'm kind of blown away that I'm at a point where I can laugh about things and just say, wow, what a ride, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, we, I, I bring that up a lot, to be honest, like, at, like when we're yeah. done with the show or something like that, I, you know, I kind of digress for a second. I'm like, oh man, we laughed a lot at that, didn't we? And he's like, no, it's all good. Jerry, he, Jerry's always good bringing me back no, to ground there and be like, totally hey, man, it was is. all good. <laughs> it feels, no, and it feels healthy. And it's like, it's just nice that, you know, they say like when you're getting mature, when you're evolving, when you're healing that and you can laugh at yourself, that's the sign that you're growing out of it. Well, and, and truthfully, that's, that's why we started this podcast is, yep. you know, 
Amazing. To give people the ability to talk about it. You know, we're not experts. We never claim to be. No. You know, we're just a couple of guys that have gone through hell ourselves. And, sure. you know, we want to give people an outlet. You know, we, we want we want this to be like we're sitting at the bar having a couple of drinks and we're talking about life. And, yeah. you exactly. know, and the more we can talk about this kind of stuff, I, I in my opinion, the better it is for everybody. Because I, I know Brandon and I, and, and it, we've been so gracious to the people that we've heard from, uh, you know, so grateful for their stories. And, you know, mm-hmm. just people saying, my God, I, I've gone through similar stuff. I, I can't believe you guys were talking about it. Yeah. And, and, and everything happens for a reason. I mean, without a doubt, the universe is strong, no matter what you believe in. And connecting in the way that we did, Leah, it's like, it's crazy. It's beautiful. It, it, yeah. Right. But there's there's something else behind that. And I I can't deny that. And I it, totally accept it. It's creepy oh, yeah. as it gets for me sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's, it's crazy. I just put out a music video for a song I wrote called Don't Stop. And it's it's absolutely like it took me a long time to be able to even talk about this, but it's about domestic violence and being in and out of very abusive relationships with men physically, mentally, emotionally, all of it. And this video just boom, here it is. Like, you know, this is the truth. And the messages that I've received, it's it's so incredible. People thanking mm-hmm. me for it. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. Like, and then sharing, sharing a story about this one man shared a story about how his friend was killed last month um from her abusive ex. Mm. And it's like, it's so ah. Uh, you know, you want to be able to help everyone, but it's stories like that that make me so grateful uh, to be alive, really. Yeah. Um, I don't know how else to say it. I, uh, yeah. I, uh, and I haven't discussed this. Brandon knows this because I shared this story with him, but um, on an earlier podcast, I, I discussed a, a health situation that I had that almost killed me about 13 years ago. Uh, it was a medical malpractice situation, ended up with MRSA, and it just went straight to hell. Um, I I mean, like, literally 90 minutes from being dead, they had to crack my chest open to save me. And, you know, I I spent almost 20 years in sports radio here in the Tampa Bay area, so when I wasn't on the air, people knew something was going on. And, you know, so I've been pretty open, you know, (laughs) and and discussing what I've gone through and the battles I've had since then, not only health-wise, but mentally, the depression and things like that. And uh, one of my listeners, one of the listeners that I used to have, reached out to me and said, hey, um, you know, I went through the whole MRSA thing, too, uh, and I'm struggling. So he and I have kept in touch a lot. I mean, there, there isn't a week or two that goes by that we don't talk. And I, I didn't catch it at the time. And, and I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this. I'm not outing him because I'm not saying who it is. But um, sure. You know, one night, I don't know why, but something just hit me to reach out to him. And, mm. and I just went, hey, are you okay? And yes. he goes, yeah, yeah, no, everything's fine, blah, 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 blah. Well, fast forward two years later, I get a message from him about a week and a half ago. And he goes, I don't know if I ever told you this or not, but that night you reached out to me, I was literally writing a suicide note. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I got goosebumps. He goes, I don't know how you knew, but you knew. I think, uh, I, I don't know what, you know, what your faith is, if you have one, you know, um, but I, I do, I am a God believer. I do believe in God. 
and divine intervention. And I feel that God uses all of us as vessels and we're transported to where we need to be when we need to be there. I really believe that because uh, I, I'm happen so cosmically, they can happen so serendipitously, so cosmically, there's no logic and there's no need for the logic. It, it's beautiful. So just like in that moment, well, I feel the same. I feel the same. And it's, it's, it's crazy. I, I, <laughs> You know, I'd go back to social media, um, but, you know, for all the reasons I hate it, there's more <laughs> reasons to love it. But I completely agree with you uh, uh, on everything. And I, I mean, I'm talking to I talk weekly, sometimes daily to people. I've never even heard their voice. Mm-hmm. I've never sometimes I've never seen their face, but they message me all day or tag me and things and stuff like that. And, you know, that our words, our stories, our efforts are keeping them going. And, you know, there was a moment last night while my wife was watching um, the documentary about this guy. She goes, you don't know this in my life. And I've never told you that, but I'm telling you that now. And the guy was just floored. And I looked at the lesson. I'm like, I'm like, I'm telling you right now, I'm not crazy to think because I've heard it. I've experienced it through all this stuff. And it's yeah. I, this, that right there is not uncommon. I think that's very common, which is why we continue on with this stuff. I think it's more normative than people want to be, unfortunately, you know, but it is what it is. So I think opening up the, you know, and having a platform where there's dialogue is very important. I, I And I think that's what music has been for me, especially out touring and on stages. I mean, having a girl come up to me after the show and, and she just said, I, I, I was going to kill myself tonight, but instead I decided to just come here and I'm sitting here and I don't know what to do, but I need to hear you. And I just said, well, keep listening, not only to me, but keep listening in mm-hmm. life. And she mm-hmm. got it. She got it. And I gave her, I don't know why came over me. I gave her my cell phone, which I, you know, that, that's a, I think I was still trying to, you know, fix her and be the right. Messiah. Mm-hmm. Sure. But the other part of me was like, just in case you need a lifeline, like as if I had the tools for that, but it just, it worked out, you know, um, she texted me later that she was okay. But those moments, you just like, oh, it's no, it's not a coincidence. That's for sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, it didn't take me long to get your cell phone number. Are you trying to fix my Thursdays? I was trying to fix it. It was this Saturday. It was this Saturday that got a little weird for me. Like I was like, I can fix that. No, you know what's so funny? It's really how you answered when I said, you know, who are you? It's really, I was like, okay, this guy's on the level. Like, let, let, let's, let's see how we can collaborate. So it was really that simple. That's <laughs> awesome. Uh, sorry, oh I, had to, I had to make a little light. A little no, you, just, you little couldn't light. stop. You couldn't stop. I couldn't. Stop. I couldn't. <laughs> we haven't talked about Wednesdays yet. I mean, I feel like that's for another <laughs> Oh, you know, it's like perhaps, perhaps. Only so much. Wow. <laughs> only so much, only so much in, 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 in one show, right? Yeah. It's just a lot going on. <laughs> so how are you now? How are you holding oh, up now? <laughs> well, every day. No, uh, <laughs> it, honestly, it, it's one day at a time. You know, today is a good day. In, and that's, that's all I can, that's all I can know for right now. I'm, I, I'll do a lot of meditation, a lot of prayer. I'm a lot better. I still have a ways to go. I'm still a mess, man, you know, but it, I'm cleaning it up. So I, it, my mess is as clean as it's ever been. That's how I can answer that. 
Ooh, that's good. I like it. It really is. Like, it's never been cleaner, but it can still be better. So, yeah, yeah. That's, I can relate. Again, a great analogy. Yeah. It in, is. In all, yeah, in all honesty, I mean, that's, you know, it, that that's the reality. And I think I'm a, I still look at my life. I'm like, I've done quite a lot, but yet I'm still that perfectionist where I'm like, but there's, yeah, you got to push harder. You got to put, you got to do more, blah, blah, blah. So I just have to go a little bit more gently and it'll happen. I say yeah. perfectionism. That's a whole other episode too. Oh my gosh. Are you kidding? Uh, yeah. And it's like, it's progress, not perfection, but I do struggle with, okay. Progress. Yeah. yeah me too. <laughs> me too. I, I'm, I'm one of those people that if I don't get it absolutely perfect, it mm-hmm. haunts me for oh my gosh. So because then I think, well, wait a second. I have to progress perfectly, but you can't. Yeah. <laughs> you don't combine them. Yeah. You don't yeah. combine them. But no, I'm good. Like I, I was just hearing though, I, and I was telling Brandon this on the phone, and I, I, I didn't really want to say, but I think I will. You know, I admire both of you actually because you both mentioned your wives, meaning you're in, you're in a nuclear relationship with someone, and to be honest, this is the part that, man, I really want to get it good. (laughs) I really want to, you know, I want that. I want that husband and that family at some point, but it can't be with an addict. And that, you know, that's really what I've attracted to be perfectly honest. And it can't be with someone I think I need to fix. So I wanted to know from you, if you feel comfortable, like how do you feel that you were able to kind of attract and channel that, that person? Lots of tequila. Good. Okay. And you drunk her. Lots of tequila. That's that's what I thought. But I just want to make sure. Yeah. I mean, Brandon, I I mean, that's how, that's what worked for me. So. I like it. Um, um, (laughs) That's another, that's another loaded question from her. Damn. Um, I'll I'll say, I'll say this just to keep, just to give you a 30,000 foot view. Our, our, um, finding each other was difficult. I'll just say difficult. But I, I feel we both knew that it was right, and so we 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 overcome we overcame a tremendous amount of adversity to to keep us strong. And it, not only did we succeed in that, but we also uh, um, retained all of that adversity back, you know, and reversed it, so to speak. Um, but we definitely admit to each other, uh, you know all the time that we saved each other. Cause I don't think I was in the best place when we met. And I don't think she thinks she was either. I think that's um, what my issue is though. I always think there has to be a back to perfection. I think there has to be that perfect moment. Well, no, no, no. Like this, this, and this has to be aligned. Then, then that can happen. But then I think you close yourself off if you're like that. Yeah. So. No. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and <sighs> everything happens for a reason, right? I mean, I keep saying for it, but sure. uh, when it, 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 I just, it's so cliche and like, Oh, when people, you know, when you know, like not really, it's when you feel it, like it's, yeah, it's a totally, out. it's a totally different experience to, to, to find your soulmate and find the person that, that you know, you know, you're going to spend the rest of your life with and all is going to be good. And you, you, you formulate the perfect team to tackle the hardest. I mean, we have, had our challenges and not with each other, but just with life in general and facing all kinds of different stuff. And we are like the perfect team when it comes to figuring life out and and always figure it out. I think too, is getting good with yourself and really, I know as cliche as that sounds, but really establishing that self-love and that relationship with yourself, it has to come first. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I honestly, I, I would not, 
be in the mindset that I am right now, or even the man that I am right now, if I had not met her. That's beautiful though. Yeah. Cause other people can compliment. It's nice. Yeah. I was going to say in, in my case, you know, it was uh, one of those situations. It's this love hate relationship we have with social media again, because you know, yeah, we met on social media. I love it. I swear to God, we, we were both friends with Tom on MySpace, and, uh, you know, all kidding aside, that's, that's how we met. And we talked for God, a couple months before we ever got together for coffee. So you had a courtship. And yeah, I mean, by the time we got together for coffee, we knew each other. I mean, inside and out. And it just clicked. Um, you know, we we were together 10 years before we got married. We got married on our 10-year anniversary. Amazing. Um, you know, in, in our situation, our ups and downs were were a lot of the, the health problems I had. Because they literally started on the one-year anniversary from the day we started dating. Oh, my gosh. Our one-year anniversary was spent with me in the in the emergency room. Uh, okay. And, you know, I've never had anybody fight for me the way that my wife did. I mean, she That's was... Such a gift. Yeah. yeah. I, and, I mean, I'm... I, to this day, and Brandon's heard me say this, I, I don't think I would be here if it weren't for her. And I've given her, I mean, all credit for everything because I, I truly believe that. And, you know, I, I never had that that stable backbone that mm. that... She gave me. I was good at putting on fronts and everybody thought I was, but I wasn't. And, you know, without her, seriously, without her, I don't think I would be here. And, yeah. you know, as bad as things were, I remember the night before they cracked my chest open, I was laying in ICU and I looked at her and I said, look, if you want to run, I don't blame you because I don't know how long this is going to be. You didn't sign up for this. You know, we don't know what's going on. I knew, I knew how bad it was, but I, she didn't, and nobody really knew. But like yeah. in the back of my head, I knew. I'm like, you didn't sign up for this. If you want to run, run. I, I won't hold it against you. Well, it's a testament to her character and also to your love, I'm sure. Absolutely. Yeah, and, the connection. And, you know, she stuck through. She fought for me. And I, I, there's nothing in this world that I wouldn't do for her. So, uh, you know, that, that's how, how it all came together in my world. And tequila. And lots <laughs> and lots. So much. And lots <laughs> and mas tequila. See, but mine was just, and this is inside for sure, just between her and I, but it was... Uh, Capri Suns in the morning, (laughs) (laughs) Jaeger shots and Jack Daniels and and macaroni and cheese. Literally, I would buy this stuff when we were were dating in the beginning and I would open the bottom drawer of my my refrigerator, my condo and take pictures of the Capri Sun, the Jack Daniels, the Jaeger and the mac and cheese. And I'm like, I'm like, Courtney, babe, come on, babe. Come on. on. (laughs) It's it's all right here. (laughs) You know, the old bait and hook, like, you just, come on. <laughs> I'm picturing you with a fishing hook with macaroni exactly. and cheese at the end of it. Yep. And it like the exactly. Geico commercial with the guy in the store with the fishing hook with the dollar bill hanging from it. Yep. Oh, yeah. Just chasing it, man. So, chasing it. Well, that seems some, fun. I got some good nuggets from that. Thank you, gentlemen. I'll say, so, so, so I'll leave you with this. Yes. You, asked, you asked how to get there. And yeah. for everybody, it's different. It is. It's but, so. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. this is good. This is going to sound so cliche. Ready for it. But it's so true. Yeah. All right. When you quit obsessing about it, you quit looking for it. It happens. Yeah. It happens. Yep. Mic drop. Seriously. It's so true. And I think obsessive thinking goes 
in line with the indecision Absolutely. and with the difficulty to make decisions that we were talking about earlier, you know, that obsession of, oh my gosh, I have to get it perfect. I have to, blah, 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 blah. you know, that, that committee firing away between our ears, you know? Yeah, ab- absolutely. To, yeah. To manage every day. Well, Leah, we appreciate the time. Where can people find your music? Oh my gosh. Everywhere now. It's wonderful. You can find it on Apple Music. You can find it on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, um, on YouTube. I have two music videos out now for No Mercy on Me and Don't Stop. So I'm really excited. That's awesome. And we'll make sure to put links to all of that uh, on the show notes. So anybody that listens to this can access it pretty quickly and, uh, and easily. But uh, Leah, we really appreciate the time and, and you're always welcome and, and welcome to the A Place for My Head family. We appreciate it. And, uh, you know, continued Very success. Special. Continued success. Thank you. This was amazing. I had Thank you. Thank you so much. Guys, that's going to do it for this week. We appreciate you guys downloading. Don't forget, anytime you get the chance, uh, rate and review the show anywhere and everywhere you can. And uh, until next week, he's been Brandon Thompson. My name is Jerry Petuck. Don't forget to hashtag get it out. Radio Influence strives to bring you excellence in podcasting. We work with personalities like TV chef Brian Duffy, radio personalities like Ian Beckles, news and political pundits like independent journalists Frank and Tracy Beans, experts from the sports world like veteran football scout and coach Chris Landry, pro wrestling personality David Penzer, MMA experts Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan, and strength and conditioning coach Jeff Crochelle. If you're looking for food, sports, music, entertainment, politics, no matter the topic, Radio Influence has something for everyone. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.